Well, let's quickly head back to the United States now on what has been a historical day there, given the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the uh, decision, the Supreme Court's decision from 1973 that enshrined a woman's right to an abortion across the U.S. It has been overturned today. Hundreds of Americans gathered on Capitol Hill to show their feelings after the decision. People on both sides of the issue remained largely peaceful, save for the occasional shouting match under the eyes of Capitol Police. The one thing that will be very clear about this decision is just how much, because it leaves it up now to the states to decide, uh, individual states, whether abortion is legal or not in each, uh, just how different the country is going to be because about half the country, 25, 26 or so states, it's going to be limited. And other other states, such as California and New York, are going to try to expand uh, the amount of uh, abortion rights on offer so that people from around the country can go there. So you end up with this really strange duality within the U.S. And of course, that has a real impact on those who can least afford to go out of state for these sorts of services. Um, you know, that that is going to be the legacy of this, is you're going to have two different systems in the same country. Um, Joe Biden today talked a bit about that. He uh, said he was stunned by the ruling. The court laid out state laws criminalizing abortion that go back to the 1800s as rationale. The court literally taking America back 150 years. Of course, Biden also warned that the Supreme Court opinion that overturned the constitutionally protected access to abortion could undermine other rights, such as contraception and gay marriage. And we also know that this will impact women who are already marginalized in the U.S. So joining me now with more on this is Zakia Luna. She's a Dean's Distinguished Professor and Scholar, our Dean's Distinguished Professorial Scholar, rather, and Associate Professor of Sociology at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and the author of Reproductive Rights as Human Rights. Women of Color and the Fight for Reproductive Justice. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. I, I guess the first, as just, just your reaction to this, I guess we knew when the leak came out that this might be the, the decision, but your reaction now that it is in fact official. Yes. Um, in all honesty, I'm still processing it, <laughs> still on text threads with people, um, and Things have been pointing this way for a long time in the U.S., and um, those of us who also do movement work ha have been planning for this, but it is still shocking to, to have the, the final official word. For Canadians who might understand the impact, this doesn't, in fact, ban abortion, but it certainly means that women in many American states are about to have what little uh, reproductive rights they had as far as access to abortion is concerned, removed. Yes, yes, that is correct. Um, and yes, what it means is that this uh, abortion access, abortion decisions will go back to each state. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, the U.S. Um, has quite the range <laughs> of uh, political approaches <laughs> within its states. And uh, there are some states, uh, about 13, that uh, right now the, they had trigger bans in place that if Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion would immediately start to go back into effect that it was illegal, right, back to their pre-Roe um, status. And so you know, that does take a little bit of time, but there's you know, 13 states that already had that um, on the books uh, without plans for exceptions. And then about another 10 that do have some plans for exceptions regarding rape and incest. 
and um, others that you know, it's still a bit of a patchwork and somewhere it's going to be completely legal um, and expanded like California, but those states is in the minority. So yeah, um, half the country um, is losing abortion access in the U.S. And, and this goes to, to what you study. Uh, yes. This has a disproportionate impact on certain groups of women over other groups of women. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. And um, as your listeners <laughs> famously know, um, the U.S.'s healthcare system <laughs> is quite, quite limited <laughs> and very employer-based. And if you're low-income, um, you do rely on your um, federal health care, which already had actually restricted access to abortion. Um, and states had the option for low-income people to um, have access to abortion if a state wanted to give their own money. But, you know, very few states had actually done that. Um, so low-income folks in particular are going to be impacted. And um, that is, yeah, um, disproportionately people of color, um, women of color and non-binary folks of color. Um, and so it's going to just make it that much harder for people to access abortions. And the data shows um, people, well, once people have made a decision to get an abortion, um, you know, they know their life best. And so they will do what they need to, um, uh, whether that means trying to go to another state and getting the money to do that and crossing state lines or um, trying a self-managed abortion, um, like medication abortion or something. So, um, but yes, uh, it is a shocking dark day uh, in, in the U.S. What's going to happen now? I, I mean, I can only assume mm-hmm. there's a lot of, lot of anger out there. Um, yeah. What happens now? Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of anger, a lot of sadness. There's also, you know, a lot of confusion um, in that... Um, you know, if there happens to be any listeners from the U.S., um, you know, and you have an appointment, don't cancel your appointment, um, you know, contact the clinic but, um, to make sure, you know, sort of what's going on there. Um, I think um, there are, I, there have been um, so many restrictions on abortion put in place in the U.S. over the past decades, <laughs> really since Roe v. Wade um, was decided, that um, increasingly movements have been learning lessons, right, and building networks and strategies. So um, in the U.S., we do have the National Network of Abortion Funds, about 80 funds um, throughout the U.S. and Mexico and a couple other countries uh, where people can call and get money for an abortion procedure, they can get a ride to a procedure, they can get accommodation, um, so people can still um, contact those funds or visit INeedAnA.com. And those funds are also going to need more volunteer support. (laughs) So there will be people who are really mobilized and, and really connect even more with their community to see how they can help support the people who are going to be most negatively imp- impacted by this. So, um, yeah. How did we get here? I, I mean, I, I realize <laughs> it's been going on for a very long time. In fact, yeah. probably since the day that the Roe v. Wade was decided yes. 50 years ago, that this has been uh, this has been under uh, under threat. But how how did we get here so quickly? It feels like all of us have not quickly, but to this sort of very definitive decision on what had been it was such a pivotal piece of legislation. 
or pivotal decision rather. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, really, since Roe was decided, um, um, the people who oppose abortion have really been working to overturn Roe, um, uh, starting with the 1976 Hyde Amendment that made it such that um, no federal funding could go to abortion. And um, people have, they've been working slowly throughout the state legislatures and things have certainly, had certainly ramped up since 2010. And we saw increasing numbers of restrictions and then um, increasingly, you know, once there were um, folks leaving the court, <laughs> the Supreme Court, um, you know, it, it, it does make a difference. Uh, um, and as we've seen, um, it makes a difference who is at the Supreme Court level. Um, and I think uh, what's also really important as um the folks in the dissent row is what this really means is that people's lives, right? That they, they will incur the cost of losing control of their lives um, as quoted. And what's next is also, as they indicated in the dissents, you know, and no one should be confident that this majority is done with its work um, as they named in the decision, right? Uh, they're questioning yeah. birth control and same-sex relationships. So. Speaking this half hour with Zakia Luna, she's the Dean's Distinguished Professor, Professorial Scholar and Associate Professor of Sociology at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, and author of Reproductive Rights as Human Rights. We've been discussing uh, the Supreme Court's decision today to overturn Roe v. Wade 50 years uh, after it was passed, after it, that decision was handed down, as well as a, another decision called Casey. Um, so in, in other words, r- rolling back uh, abortion rights in the U.S., at least uh, federal court protection of abortion rights in the U.S., um, what just in terms of, of what the reaction could be for so long, Roe v. Wade was a rallying cry for those who opposed it. Does its does its elimination now become a rallying cry, a unifying cry for those who supported it? Oh, that is a great question. So, so I think something that's really important and and complicated um, for folks is that many folks who are working in sort of a reproductive justice framework, which is also about rights to have children and rights to parent, in addition to rights to not have children, um, have really emphasized that as far as, you know, the U.S., that Roe was always the floor. (laughs) Um, Because what does it mean to make the choice whether or not to move forward to the pregnancy if you don't have the resources to really support your families? And I think that's going to become even more clear for many folks um, who in the U.S. um, that this isn't just about abortion. This is about how you form your families, how you what health care you have access to, right? How you get to decide what you do in your own bedroom as. um, And that's something that, you know, most people in the U.S. would uh, would agree that they don't think that the government should be in their bedrooms. (laughs) And this decision really puts into question a lot of other decisions, as Justice Thomas indicated. And so um, if there was anyone who hadn't been (laughs) taking notice in the U.S., um, it's, it's time to pay even more attention to the courts and the cases that are going to be moving forward around um, contraception and same-sex marriage. And I would say even, you know, for your listeners, you know, who are in Canada, certainly, right, the Morgenthaler decision 
um, critically important in Canada regarding abortion access. <laughs> and, you know, th- these rights are connected and people who oppose abortion have been saying that for such a long time. And this ruling and the hundred something pages of it <laughs> indicate just how clearly they see all these rights connected and what their next steps are um, and where they're moving next. So that means people need to be doing even more mobilizing and connecting with community and local organizations to protect the rights that remain because rights are always contested and and it's important to keep fighting for what is there. (laughs) I think one of the things that's often difficult for outsiders to understand, perhaps even for people in America to understand is my, my understanding is that support for access to abortion in some form is incredibly high in the U.S. It's disproportionately high in the U.S. Uh, you know, the, the many people support a woman's right to choose in the U.S., and yet, and yet here we are. You know, here we are, and and I think it's under, difficult to understand sometimes that a minority view uh, becomes a majority law or becomes the law of the land, and 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 how do, how does and how does that happen? And I guess that that's sometimes difficult to understand that the courts are used yes. in a way to strike down the will of more of the majority of Americans in favor of a small group of very ardent uh, and vocal minority. Yes. Ardent and vocal. And the key thing is well-resourced resources do matter. And um, when we talk about the importance of states and state legislatures and the relationship to federal legislature and the discussions that, legislators have and the work that gets done at state levels, a big chunk of that is about resources. And, you know, we have states where people can get license plates that then fund <laughs> um, opposition to abortion, right? So that that is an example, right, of resources that are being provided essentially <laughs> to the opposition that there's not the equivalent in the U.S. Uh, for abortion supporters, right? And so that um, a big part of it is about resources. Um, and and when a small minority has a high level of resources to really impact the different elections, to really impact the misinformation that is getting out there, when they really are able to mobilize that, it can have such a big impact. And yes, as you say to go against the will of what, yeah, the polls continue to show. (laughs) Because again, uh, when you ask most people, who do you think should get to make a decision about your healthcare? Should it be your neighbor two doors down or should it be you? They say me. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, you've been involved in this for so, for, for, I mean, this is, this is your life's work Mm -hmm. in many ways. What for you now, what happens now? Yeah, what happens now um, for me, besides um, a few more interviews <laughs> today, yeah. is, um, is um, you know, I, I do work outside of the academy that is connected to different grassroots organizations. Um, and I, I think ultimately movements are about hope. And, and I often even tell my students in my movements classes, even movements I disagree with are about hope. They just have hopes for a different type of country and world than I envision, right? <laughs> Um, uh, and that means there's also about engagement, though. And so, yes, taking time to have the feelings and the frustrations and the disappointments, um, while also 
taking solace in the fact that there are so many good people who have been doing work and who are continuing to do work literally right now, who are sending out emails, who are setting up information calls, who are um, taking calls from callers with abortion funds, who are connecting with people in their community or, you know, outside their state to donate um, to those, you know, impacted, particularly impacted states, like in the South and the Midwest and the U.S., right? Um, I, I always think, you know, being connected with community is really important and it will continue to be important because the struggle, as we see, is definitely going to continue. And these these struggles are linked. And so we need to link the communities together. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.